homelessness to gold records. But we commence today's show with this. A groundbreaking initiative is underway as editors and researchers collaborate on a unique dictionary known as the Oxford Dictionary of African-American English. The lexicon is exclusively dedicated to words originated or reinvented by black people. The dictionary endeavors to serve as an invaluable resource for future investigations about black speech, history, and culture. Dr. H. Samueline has written a text on the subject entitled Articulate While Black, love that title, Articulate While Black, Barack Obama, Language and Race in the U.S. I am pleased to welcome back to KBLA Talk 1580, distinguished UCLA professor, H. Sammy Aline. Professor Aline, good to see you, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to have you back, man. Thanks for coming down to the studio. It's good to see you. And uh, I've been waiting to have this conversation with you. Uh, I, I've known Skip for, 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 for years. And when this thing is all said and done, I'll talk to Skip. Uh, Professor Gates <laughs> mm-hmm. from Harvard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Henry Lewis, Skip Gates Jr. We're talking about <laughs> who's behind this project. I'll get him on uh, when this thing is actually done. But on the front side of this, as the researchers and editors do their work to bring uh, this dictionary, the Oxford Dictionary of African-American English uh, to the fore, wanted to get your temperature for starters on whether or not this is, I think it is, but you tell me, is this a good idea or a bad idea? <laughs> I think it's a great idea. Okay. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different ways you could slice that question as usual, as usual Tavis, but I think it's a great idea because um, for one, uh, what they're calling African-American English or African-American language or black language or people have called Ebonics in the past has made such an incredible impact and contribution on the way people speak English in the United States. That's for starters. Mm-hmm. And then you take it from the United States globally. So the way black people speak their thoughts, as Haki Marabuti said, the great mm-hmm. poet, the way black people speak their thoughts has impacted the entire world. And in particular, in reference to English, the English that's spoken here in the United States and elsewhere, uh, it wouldn't sound the way that it sounds. It wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't be able to have that same flavor if it wasn't for the African-American contribution, the black contribution in so many different ways. So in that sense, it's an important project um, just so that people understand uh, black languages impact on the English language in the United States. As you were talking, my mind went to speaking of, uh, of, of black folk in our own language. Mm-hmm. I thought of Maya Angelou. Uh, right. The late great poet and, and Maya wrote in her poem, as you know, on the pulse of morning mm-hmm. delivered at Bill Clinton's inauguration mm-hmm. uh, that we were stolen, bought and sold into slavery, arriving on a nightmare, praying for a dream. Mm-hmm. It's a cold line. Oof. We were stolen, bought and sold into slavery, Oof. arriving on a nightmare, praying for a dream from mm-hmm. our powerful poem on the mm-hmm. pulse of morning. I thought about that as you were speaking, because um, it is fascinating. <laughs> uh, it's fascinating that we are now, again, uh, uh, waiting for this dictionary to be concluded, the Oxford Dictionary of African-American English, uh, about the language of black people. Fascinating, mm-hmm. you see where I'm going here, mm-hmm. that we were a people brought mm-hmm. here against our will. That's right. A people who were punished if we got caught learning how to read, mm-hmm. and now there will be a dictionary that's that right. the world will have access to of our vocabulary, of our right. language, which has impacted everything in the in, in, mm-hmm. in, in, on the globe. Mm-hmm. But you see where I'm going here. Yeah. That that irony is, is is it's it's chilling for me. What's your That's take right. on that? I mean, there's a there's a a way that uh white folks have in particular of 
loving the culture and hating the people that created mm, it. Mm. And I start off by saying that because, Tavis, your comments in that beautiful poem uh, just gives me pause because that is the story of African-American language. Mm -hmm. That's the story of black language. When people ask, why is it that black people talk so different? Why is it that black people don't speak standards? Why is it that black people this, 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 that, and the other, right? That language has survived the socio-political terror of the slave trade. Mm. Okay, so when you steal Africans, bring them to America, quote unquote, right, to build your country, that language travels all the way across the Atlantic. All these African languages travel across the Atlantic, become creolized with the British varieties that are here, right, that are spoken by the British folks and European colonizers, right, the white settler colonialists mm -hmm. here in the United States. And then you have what results is something that is actually more innovative, more inventive, mm. more linguistically complex than any other variety of American English we have, right? So you have out of the creolization um, of British varieties and African languages, African varieties, this new language that's given birth to articulate this new reality of being here in slavery, right, under these brutal conditions. Out of those brutal conditions comes something marvelous, something inventive, something creative that not only gives people a way to survive those conditions, but transforms the whole globe in return. So I started off by saying people love the culture, but hate its creators. Same with language, right? Love the language. You can't go anywhere without finding black language being mm -hmm. used. You can go into Whole Foods. It's on the speakers. You can go to any sports game, right? You can go anywhere in American society. They have found a way to capitalize, to profit off of the creativity and inventiveness of black speech, and yet will deny you access to it. Just getting started. It's going to be a rich hour. Our guest is H. Sammy Aleem, professor at UCLA, uh, distinguished professor. His book is called Articulate While Black, Barack Obama, Language and Race in the U.S. We're spending this hour, though, talking about the book. Uh, more broadly, uh, the Oxford Dictionary of African-American English that's being produced right about now. Some of the initial words, the first 10 words in that dictionary have already been released to the public. We'll talk about that and a great deal more. We'll give you the 10 words and talk about uh, those words and more when we come forward. H. Sammy Aleem on KBLA Talk. I'm Tavis Smiley. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. Our phone number 1-800-920-1580. 1-800-920-1580. Our guest in this hour is Professor H. Sammy Aleem, distinguished professor at UCLA. Well, let me give the full title. He is the David O. Sears Presidential Endowed Chair in the Social Sciences and Associate Director of the Ralph J. Bunch Center for African American Studies at UCLA. Ah, that's a mouthful. I just say distinguished professor at UCLA, H. <laughs> Sammy Aleem, who I'm ha happy to have in studio with us in this hour. As we talk about uh, the work that editors and researchers are doing right now to collaborate on a unique dictionary known as the Oxford Dictionary of African American English. The first 10 words in that dictionary have already been released. We'll talk about those in just a moment and give them to you, share them with you. Um, but uh, as I say oftentimes, sometimes the best part of this uh, show happens in the commercial breaks, and I couldn't shut Professor Aleem up in the break. But you were, you, you were starting to talk to me about language as a gatekeeper. Un unpack that thought for me. Right. So this is, to pick up on where we left off, this mm -hmm. is about you have this language formed, right, out of people you stole from Africa who invented this new language in this new place, in this horrible, horrific new place under horrific circumstances, the most brutal of contexts, right, created and invented a language to describe this new reality and in order to survive it. Mm. So the nerve that now 
the sons and daughters of those people who stole Africans use that language as a way to deny black people access mm. to education, to jobs, to housing, to small business loans, you name it, all kinds of economic opportunity denied because you speak in a way that you sound black. Mm. Would you have ever even been here in the first place? Would there be an African-American language if there were no slavery? Right. That question needs to be asked. And so I always flip it on its head. Would white people, if they were asked to sound authentically black in order to get a loan, get a mortgage, uh, start a small business, get an education, get a job, gain acceptance into society. In order to do that, they would have to sound authentically black and pass that test. How many white folks do you know would be able to do that? That's what I mean by language as a gatekeeper. For some reason, it seems acceptable to people to deny black people opportunity based on the way that they speak. Mm. But it is never even thought of in reverse. Would we deny those same things to white folks if they were unable to speak yeah. in ways that were deemed black? And yet black language, if you That's will, right. um, the way we speak has become hegemonic uh, around the globe. What, the, what, what do you make of that reality? It's the, it's the cultural dominance of blackness both locally and globally. Mm -hmm. And so this has happened despite all of those ways to contain blackness, to erase blackness, to assimilate blackness. Black people have always resisted, whether it's through music, through literature, through culture, and all of that has been exported around the globe. Everywhere I go, right, there are local musics, whether it's France, South Africa, Tanzania, Brazil, Kenya, local musics that are impacted and influenced by the way African-Americans speak, mm. right? So that language gets to impact the entire globe. Um, but I think it's important because we can't lose sight of the fact that black language develops from enslavement. And one of the beautiful things about this dictionary, from what I've already seen, the Oxford African-American English Dictionary, mm -hmm. is that there are some words and phrases that are directly linked to that period that grow up out of the period of enslavement that show how black people used language in order to survive. Mm -hmm. Right there. There's a phrase, a proverb, right? Everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. Mm -hmm. OK, this is something that slaves used. I mean, enslaved Africans used in front of Christian slave masters themselves to talk about their hypocrisy amongst each other. Mm -hmm. So the language develops out of that resistance, right? Um, our friend Chuck D mm -hmm. says, right, we couldn't just say openly, slave master, put your whip away. We couldn't say that, so we had to embed it in music. We had to encode it in the way that we hummed, in the way that we sang, in the way that we beat the drum such that messages were encoded through the drums. Mm -hmm. All of that still exists today in African-American culture in so many different ways, right? That still gets passed on. So I talked a moment ago or asked you about, you talked about mm -hmm. the ways in which our language has become hegemonic, hegemonic around the globe. But as you're talking now, I'm seeing uh, a different lane that I want to run in mm -hmm. for a few seconds. Mm -hmm. And that is language, our language as resistance. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about that part. Yeah, as we say that part, our language part. as resistance. Absolutely. And this is, this is one of the major themes that runs throughout African-American history in the United States. Like I was mentioning from the very beginning, right, there are ways of speaking that were developed because they were necessarily encoded 
mm-hmm. right, in order to talk about the slave master in front of the slave master himself or herself, right? And so you have this situation being the crucible of the development of this kind of language, right? And it develops through literature, through history, every single literary and musical form. We could talk about the black arts movement, mm-hmm. right? The idea was to develop something that was distinctively black, that was powerfully black, that was transformatively black, in order to push back against the erasure, the assimilation, the cultural genocide, if you will, right? To create something of one's own and to see it as valuable despite all of the negative ideas and stereotypes held by white folks about black folks, black mm-hmm. culture, black language, uh, black history. Uh, black people, black skin. Uh, there's there's a way to link this um, as resistance, Tavis, that I think is really powerful because people think about language as something that is elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I want to constantly remind people that language, black language is black culture. It is black music. You would no sooner give up on black culture and black music than you would on black language. So when it comes to resistance, mm-hmm. understanding the power of black language, which artists... Uh, all the way up from from writers all the way on to hip-hop culture, have done uh, over the decades is consistently, right, flip uh, the standard English, standard hegemonic norms on its head. Most deaf has this beautiful line where he says, um, used to speak the king's English, but caught a rash on my lips. Now I chat like this, right? So hip-hop has always pushed and resisted this kind of standard language because it's mapped onto whiteness, it's mapped onto intelligence, Right? And it becomes a form of domination and oppression for black folks. So that resistance is key, key, key in every way. Black folk um, have a great deal of bravado uh, mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons. But we have our, we have our own sense of bravado. Uh, and earlier in this conversation, you said that we have created a language which, which, which the world would get to read uh, and understand better when they get the Oxford Dictionary of African-American English once it's produced. But you said, uh, speaking of that black bravado, that what we've created is more innovative, more inventive, more linguistically complex, more innovative, more inventive, more linguistically complex. Now I'm going to make you prove it. I'll prove prove it. There's more than just bravado. I'll prove it if you give me the next three hours. No, just. <laughs> but, How about the next three or four minutes? But Tavis, in all in all seriousness, like right. I had this beautiful conversation with Sonia Sanchez, black arts movement Love poet, her. genius, brilliant, yeah. right, as as well as with Amiri Baraka, and we were talking about black folks' contribution to language and what black language means. And she looks at me and she said, "We are so inventive, my brother. Have you ever heard the English language as spoken out of the tired?" dead mouths of some of these white creatives. We have breathed life into the language, given it life, recreated it, reinvented it. And that was the idea of the poetic movement of that time period. It wasn't to look to standard English, which is mapped onto whiteness, Mm -hmm. as something to reach for and strive for. It wasn't even desirable, let alone preferable, Right. Mm -hmm. The desirable thing was to develop this language and culture that grows out of these particular sociopolitical, sociohistorical circumstances and to be proud of that language in the same way that they told you that black noses were too wide, that black skin was too dark, that black hair was too kinky. They tell you that black language is too lazy, too unintelligent, too savage. It's that same connection of white supremacy over language and culture that kind of hegemony perpetuates through language, right? And so, so in, in this case, 
the beauty grows out of it, but also the complexity. I say it's the most complex because it really is. Mm -hmm. uh, most folks don't know that the library is full of dozens and dozens, if not hundreds and hundreds of large tomes on the complex verbal system of black language in the United States. Mm -hmm. um, so if you remember um, Barack Obama, that clip that went viral while he was running for presidency, where he was at Ben's Chili Bowl and he said, nah, we straight. Mm -hmm. Nah, we straight. Mm -hmm. And it went viral and feels like, nah, we straight. The president just said he's going to, nah, we straight. <laughs> he said, nah, we straight. He didn't mm -hmm. say we are straight. He didn't even say we're straight. He said we straight. That copula, mm -hmm. R is missing, right? It's not even there. It is entirely unnecessary. <laughs> and what, and what did he and, mean by and, straight And anyway? that begins, yeah, wait, wait, that exactly. begins with African languages, Tavis. Mm -hmm. African languages does not require a copula in order to communicate, right? So the copula in African-American speech represents those linguistic patterns, those linguistic Africanisms that have been brought over. And I can give you 12 different examples of the verbal system of African-American speech that are carryovers from Africa, that are mm -hmm. Africanisms. That's why the language is more complex than any other variety. Mm -hmm. right? It's the result of that creolization. But these are African languages maintaining across the Atlantic and being embedded in the very minute syllables of black speech. How in the world did that survive? And what do you make of the fact that it did, in fact, survive? Yeah, exactly. This is, imagine the situation, right? You have Africans from all over West Africa and other places, being brought to the United States without a common language mm -hmm. and having to then produce a language of communication, not just with the slave master, but amongst themselves. So African linguistic priorities were how do we communicate with each other in order to resist this terror? If all of our African languages, for the most part, have this particular linguistic system, that becomes a point of commonality about how we develop English. Mm -hmm. So we put English words on top of African linguistic systems. So all of the things that they deem ungrammatical in school systems that white folks think of as lazy or incorrect are African survivals through the slave trade. Mm. And that means that African-American language is systematic and rule-governed. It's just not governed by your rules. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean by the, by the nerve of placing those kinds of Eurocentric norms onto black language that is only spoken in the first place because of slavery. Speaking of those Eurocentric norms, when black people, let's just keep it real, uh, when black people want to critique other black people That's right. for using bad language, they'll say, look at him, look at her won't speak, can't speak the, the king's English. That's a critique that we have of each other when we want to put somebody down for uh, speaking ebonically. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you make of that critique that we often have of each other, that we're not speaking the king's English? Yeah, this is the reproduction and internalization of white supremacist thought in relation to language. Mm -hmm. Many times people will tell you, but I want my children to be able to master this particular variety, whether it's call it white, call it the King's English, call it in order mm -hmm. to survive. And that is absolutely true and absolutely good. And you must prepare children for this world. But at the same time, if you're not tearing down the world of white supremacy by understanding the value of black language and pushing aside that hegemony wherever we can, right, then you're doing your children the next generations of disservice, right? Mm. There has to be a moment where, and this is where hip hop comes in, this is where the millennials come in. They right now are not 
trying to be held back or constrained by anything white, any white values, mm -hmm. norms, uh, that's that kind of imposition. They're pushing back against that really strongly. And if we do that across all domains, why is black language good enough for black music, but not good enough for the corporate boardroom? Right. Why is it good enough for the street, but not for the classroom when black people have created some of the most powerful literary, musical, cultural, uh, verbal products around the world? Mm -hmm. um, when we come forward, um, I want to um, share with you um, some of the words, uh, 10 specifically mm -hmm. um, uh, words in this Oxford Dictionary of African-American English that have already been released. Let me, let me tease you with a couple right now. Um, cakewalk, uh, old school, bussin, B-U-S-S-I-N, bussin, grill. All right, that's enough for right now. Um, when we come forward, I'm just laughing at all the persons listening right now who happen not to be African-American. I'm glad to have you. But I promise you, I'll tell you whether they're adjectives, uh, adverbs, uh, nouns, verbs. I'll explain that to you. I'll give you definitions. And we'll walk through all 10, have some fun here when we come forward. I guess it's UCLA Professor H. Sammy Aleem, author of Articulate While Black, Barack Obama, Language and Race in the U.S. We're talking about the forthcoming Oxford Dictionary of African-American English on KBLA Talk 1580. I'm Tavis Smiley. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. Our phone number 1-800-920-1580. Our guest in this hour, distinguished professor at UCLA, H. Sammy Aleem. In case you've just tuned in, we're talking about this forthcoming Oxford Dictionary of African American English. Professor Aleem is uh, author of the book Articulate While Black, Barack Obama, Language and Race in the U.S. And so I wanted Professor Aleem to come in to talk about um, this Oxford Dictionary. And we'll talk about his book uh, in a few moments here. Uh, as well, but I promised before news, traffic, and sports that I would give you some of the words uh, in this uh, dictionary. Let me just run through them right quick, and then I'll get uh, Professor Aleem's take on whatever he wants to sound off on. Um, one of the words, bussin, uh, an adjective and a participle. Participle, <laughs> I can't even say it. An adjective and a participle, especially describing food, tasty, delicious, also more generally impressive or excellent, describing a party or event, busy, crowded, lively. Variant forms, bussin and bussin. That's I-N-G and I-N. Uh, grill is a noun. <laughs> Removal of a, a permanent dental overlay, typically made of silver, uh, silver or gold or another metal, and often inset with gemstones, which is worn as jewelry, we call that your grill. <laughs> Promised land, a noun, a place perceived to be where enslaved people and later African Americans more generally can find refuge and live in freedom. We tried to make it to the promised land. Chitterlings. <laughs> Is that how you pronounce it, Tavis? <laughs> Chitterlings. <laughs> That's how it's spelled, right? Uh, you know we're talking about chitlins, <laughs> a, a dish made from pig intestines that are typically boiled, fried, or stuffed with other ingredients. Occasionally also pig intestines as an ingredient. Chitlins, but spelled properly, chitterlings, C-H-I-T-T-E-R-L-I-N-G-S, uh, a noun, and it's also plural. Uh, kitchen, the hair at the nape of the neck which is typically shorter, kinkier, and considered more difficult to style. Look at that kitchen. <laughs> All right. Cakewalk is a noun. 
a contest in which black people would perform a stylized walk in pairs, typically judged by a plantation owner. The winner would receive some type of cake, something that is considered easily done, as in this job is a cakewalk. But did you know that's where the word cakewalk came from? I didn't. That's why you need an Oxford Dictionary of African-American English. Learn something on that one. Next one, old school. An adjective, characteristic of early hip-hop or rap music that emerged in New York City between the late 70s and the mid-80s, which often includes the use of uh, couplets, uh, funk, and disco samples, and playful lyrics, also used to describe the music and artists that, uh, of that style and that time period. We just call it old school. You can spell it C-S-C-H-O-O-L or S-K-O-O-L. Either way, it's old school. Pat. Uh... Transitive, to tap the foot in rhythm with music, sometimes as an indication uh, of participation in religious worship. Intransitive, usually of a person's foot to tap in rhythm with music, sometimes to demonstrate participation in religious worship. So transitive or intransitive, the word is a verb. It's called pat, pat your foot. Aunt Hager's children, a reference to black people collectively. Uh, the etymology is probably a reference to Hagar in the Bible, who, with her son Ishmael, was cast out of uh, cast out uh, by Sarah and Abraham, and became, among some black communities, a symbolic mother of all Africans and African Americans and of black womanhood. Aunt Hagar's children. It's a noun, and the last one is ring shout. Another noun, ring shout. A spiritual ritual involving a dance where participants follow one another in a ring shape, shuffling their feet and clapping their hands to accompany chanting and singing. If you're in my church, speaking in tongues as well. The dancing and chanting gradually intensify and often conclude with participants exhibiting a state of spiritual ecstasy. Again, we call that speaking in tongues. Ten of the words that have already been released uh, from the forthcoming Oxford Dictionary of African-American English uh, your thoughts, Professor H. Samuel Lim, on anything you want to sound off on? Uh, first of all, I love hearing these words, Tavis. I think the dictionary is going to make a really important contribution. I just think of the domains of African-American life and history that these words represent, right? You have everything from enslavement, these words that grow out of that particular period. Cakewalk. Mm -hmm. People really need to study cakewalk, yeah, right? That's a, and I, didn't, I didn't know that backstory. All of yeah. the many terms that come from that experience on the plantation that have now been embedded as crossover mainstream terms mm -hmm. all have their history. What I love about the potential of this dictionary is that it's not just words, right? Mm -hmm. We could talk about words all day long, but it's how words reveal the culture, the history, the story of a people through particular words over time is really critical. That's what makes the lexicon, not just the slang that fades in and out every day, mm -hmm. but the lexicon that lasts over decades and now centuries, really important. Like I think of phrases like 40 acres and a mule. Mm -hmm. My co-author, Geneva Smitherman, Dr. G, the pioneering linguist on black language, uh, 1977, talking and testifying the language of black America, pick it up and read it. She also has two books called Black Talk, 1994 and 2000, which were entire compilations of black lexicon and their meanings. So, of course, Dr. G. Geneva Smitherman is on the editorial board, as well as, you know, Sanja Lanehart, John Ball, Adam Bradley, Marcelina Morgan, a whole host of expert linguists, Lisa Green, others. 
uh, doing their work. But Dr. G, what was so powerful about Smitherman's work, even back in the 70s, was how she took words that we used every single day and showed the historical significance of where they come from. They emerge from this particular arrangement of, of race, class, politics, power, enslavement, right? They come out of Jim Crow, right? And all that entire era, they, and they move into right now this kind of neoliberal era. And every single era, black people are reinventing language and terms to describe what it feels like to live inside the belly of the beast and how to overcome that. And I think that's the beautiful thing. The real power of talking about words is about what they reveal about the story of a people. This book, uh, this dictionary, I should say, the Oxford Dictionary of African-American English, um, uh, is expected by March of 2025. The project aims to highlight the profound uh, significance of African-American English by releasing an initial set of 1,000 definitions. That's the initial set. This thing will build and grow. Why? Because we keep adding new words That's right. uh, to the lexicon. That's right. This is a dictionary that will never stop being uh, 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 revised. <laughs> Uh, the, the, I'm sorry, go ahead. And, and, no, can I say, Tavis, sure. that for all your listeners, yeah. they will be encouraged to submit words to the Oxford African-American Dictionary, mm-hmm. right? African-American English Dictionary. So the people will be participating in this project. It's a people's project because it's a people's language. Yep, I think that's is. a beautiful thing. It is indeed. Uh, so they will release an initial set, uh, as I said, of 1,000 definitions expected by March 25. All this is spearheaded. Uh, by Henry Louis Gates Jr., Skip Gates, as we call him out of Harvard. Uh, you heard uh, Professor Aleem a moment ago um, suggest, uh, not suggest, uh, detail some of the names, um, mm-hmm. articulate some of the names of the other scholars who are on this committee to bring forth this book. When we come forward, uh, I want to talk about his book, Articulate While Black. Love that title, Articulate While Black. Barack Obama, Language and Race in the U.S. You see why I wanted to have H. Sammy Aleem as our guest in this hour distinguished professor at UCLA who will continue um, breaking some stuff down for us when we come forward on KBLA Talk. Let's unpack a little bit more with Tavis Smiley. The conversation continues right now. Right now. Right now. His book is called Articulate While Black, Barack Obama, Language and Race in the U.S. We've been talking about the Oxford Dictionary of African-American English, but again, because he's written so powerfully about this heretofore, I wanted to ask him to leave Westwood uh, to come to Lemert Park <laughs> and talk to us in this hour uh, about uh, this new dictionary forthcoming uh, in 2025. But tell me about, uh, for those who've not had a chance to read this book of yours, you've got you got more than a few of them, with a forward by our friend Michael Eric Dyson. It's called Articulate While Black, Barack Obama, Language and Race in the U.S. The book is is simply about how Barack Obama talks and the talk about how Barack Obama talks. That is how he talks and how he is heard, mm-hmm. right, as he is running for president of the United States of America and as he's serving as president of the United States of America. So we're Geneva Smitham and I are seeing this moment where the U.S. might actually have its first black speaking president, black language speaking president. Mm -hmm. And here we look at Barack Obama and we're following a series of controversies that come up over his language use. We talked about now we straight. Mm -hmm. But then the one time him and Michelle Obama give the so-called fist bump Mm -hmm. or whatever they called it in the news, right, Mm -hmm. a pound or that. Uh, All these different controversies that have come up throughout his tenure. Um, as president and what that reveals both about American ideas and ideologies about black language and about black people. Mm -hmm. And so that's what the book ultimately is about. As Dyson writes in his foreword, any conversation about black speech 
is a conversation about black intelligence and ultimately about black humanity. Mm. That's how deep this language thing is. So we're trying to show how the politics of language are embedded within the politics of race uh, and vice versa. To that point, what do you think our language in fact says about our humanity? Right. Honestly, if you look at this dictionary, if you look at the work of all the scholars, Henry Louis Gates, Geneva Smitherman, all the scholars involved in this project, it's that will to survive regardless of the circumstances. And now not just survive, but thrive, right? So you have everything set up, right? Where every single aspect about your existence, right? Is pointed out as deficient, incorrect, right? Lazy, etc. That's why articulate is such an important adjective, mm-hmm. right? When Barack Obama decides to run for president, Right. Oh, I just love Barack Obama. He's so articulate, articulate, articulate. But he wasn't just articulate. They described him as articulate, bright, clean, nice looking. Right. So the and, and, and that this that was Joe Biden. That was Joe Biden. Let's be, let's let's be clear about this. That was that was just day. Joe Biden. You said remember that. that these are I was, Democrats. I was, on, I, was on stage, I was on stage when he said it. See what I'm saying? <laughs> Democrats and Republicans yeah. across the board, and that revealed what the attitudes already were about Black people. If you have to be articulate, bright, and clean, that means you are dumb <laughs> and dirty in the minds of most people. Every See time I think about that, it's hilarious. It's, but, but, a Biden yeah. is the biggest running mate. Yeah. Is a big vice president. That's right. Is a big president later he's on. President of the United he States. said that <laughs> he about said Barack that. Obama. <laughs> Harry Reid, Joe Walsh, Republican, yeah. George W. Bush, Republican, Rush Limbaugh, Mitt Romney, all of these folks, when complimenting, quote unquote, Barack Obama about his articulateness, yeah. were revealing the deeply held racist, classist stereotypes about those other folks that he supposedly doesn't sound like, which is the rest of black people. I tell all my white friends, never call a Negro articulate. <laughs> Unless you want to get slapped and cussed out, don't call me articulate. You can call me eloquent. Or don't call me anything, but do not call me articulate. That's right. I digress. Our remaining moments with UCLA professor H. Samuel Lean when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. Conversations that matter. You're listening to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. I'm Tavis Smiley. Our remaining moments with UCLA uh, professor H. Samuel Lean, author of the book Articulate While Black, Barack Obama, Language and Race in the U.S., We've been talking in this hour about the forthcoming new dictionary, the Oxford Dictionary of African-American English. A final question about that in a moment. But during the break, once again, he's breaking down stuff for me, as he does all the time in these breaks, uh, about the ways in which back in the day they would separate slaves based on how they talked. Yeah, this is really, spoke. really important stuff that, that most, folk, most folks probably don't know historically. And this comes from Geneva Smitherman's work. She looked at the so-called runaway slave ads. You know, Mm -hmm. people would revolt, leave, run away, run off. Right. And the slave masters would create these ads in order to find their slaves, find and catch their slaves. Mm -hmm. And in the ads, they would describe the language of the runaway slave as either he speaks good English, bad English, sometimes understandable English, uh, either perfect English, etc., and they would try to catch the slaves based on the kind of English that they spoke and punishment was doled out accordingly. Today, we have this phenomenon called linguistic profiling, 
mm-hmm. okay, which is racial profiling mm-hmm. based on language alone. So you call for an apartment and you're trying to get an apartment. You want to see if an apartment is available. But you guess what? Sound black. There's nothing wrong about your speech, nothing grammatically incorrect about your speech, but you are heard as a black person and denied access to housing. So linguistic policing and racial policing is still the order of the day. When you link that through line from catching a runaway slave to what happens today with this kind of covert racial linguistic discrimination... All these years really? later, it still, All these it still years persists. Later. I got about 90 seconds here. Um, let me ask what you think, finally, the value will be of this Oxford Dictionary of African-American English or whether or not you can imagine some ways in which we may be ridiculed because of the publication of this text. That will always happen, Tavis. Mm-hmm. Black people will always be ridiculed for attempts at advancement. Right. For any attempts to lift up aspects of black culture that are not held in high esteem or high regard, Mm -hmm. ridicule will come. But the importance of this is an intellectual project is that hopefully by the discussion of these words and phrases, we'll have much deeper conversations, the kinds of conversations we're having now, the kinds of conversations you always have on your show where you scratch the surface and underneath the words and phrases it tells us everything we need to know about the state of black America, both uh, in terms of the racial oppression and the resistance to the racial oppression and how to move forward. I think that's what will be the ultimate importance of this project. And it'll be a living document that the people continue to shape and reshape and hopefully become a part of. With an initial set of 1000 definitions expected by March 25, spearheaded by Henry Lewis Skip Gates Jr. of Harvard. It's called the Oxford Dictionary of African-American English, and we look forward to that. As I said, we'll get Skip on the program when the book is actually done, Professor Gates, when it's actually done. But I certainly want to thank our guest in this hour, UCLA Professor H. Sammy Aleem. His book is called Articulate While Black, Barack Obama, Language and Race in the U.S. Professor Aleem, good to have you back on our program, and uh, good to have you live in the studio. We appreciate it. Wonderful to be here. Thank you so much, Tavis. The next hour, Tavis Smiley. After news, traffic, and sports, you're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. KBLA 1580 Santa Monica.